thank you today. We praise you today. We bless you. Would you clap your hands to the Lord and give him the nearness of the Lord I was thinking while we were singing all is well some of you may know the story behind that song but Horatio Gates Spafford was a very successful lawyer that lived back at the turn of the century he was also a very devout Christian and was very much involved in many of uh, Neil Moody's campaigns and he had actually been hired to come to England with a crew to evangelize and preach the gospel. And so he sent his wife and four daughters ahead of him uh, until he could make arrangements to come. In the midst of the sea, a great storm came and all four of his daughters perished and his wife was found unconscious holding to a piece of board And when they finally rescued them and got them to land, she sent a telegram back to him and said, only I survive, what shall I do? He quickly arranged his uh, schedule and boarded the next vessel that would take him there. And as they were making their way through the dark waters one night, the captain came to him and said, sir, I just wanted you to know that this was where we lost your family. And so Horatio went to the side of the boat and he looked out over those troubled dark waters and the words to this song began to flow through his spirit. All is well with my soul. When seas like billows roll over me, all is well with my soul. I believe that Horatio Gates Spafford learned what many of us need to learn, that you have a choice with what you do in times of crisis and where you turn and what you say. And what you say matters as much as what you do. And somehow you and I have to learn how to take our tragedies and turn them into triumphs. And we do that by what comes out of here, by what we allow to come from the gates of our own lips. And on this night, this man chose rather 
than to anguish over all of the loss and the pain. He chose to focus on what he still had, and that was his God. I'm thankful that there are some things that are there no matter what life does. God is constantly available. And I want you to know today that all is well. Amen. If you believe that, would you praise him one more time? may be seated. It's so good to see you here today in such a wonderful presence of the Lord. Uh, I am so thankful to be uh, here right now. Now, I need you to listen to me just a moment before I get started because, uh, it, you know, sometimes as a preacher, you think you know what you are there for and God gives you an assignment and then uh, you're not certain when you leave if if people got what you were trying to say. So this is what I need you to do to help me prepare for what I'm about to share with you. And that is this. I want you to say these words. God wants to speak to me. Me. Not your wife, not your husband, not your kids, not your neighbor, not your enemy. God wants to talk to me. He wants to speak to me. Say that again. God wants to speak to me this morning. And I am convinced of that above anything else that I know of in this place today. And I want to help somebody. I want to help somebody break free from some things that have held you captive and that torment you today. To free yourself from some things that life perhaps has done, maybe circumstances have brought to pass, perhaps even people may have put them on you. But I have come with the word from God today to help you understand how you can free yourself. You know, it's interesting to me that in dealing with people, people are always looking to the ministry to help give them an answer to their problems and solve their issues. And the truth is, If I didn't create it, I can't solve it. Now, I can give you some pointers, but when I create problems for myself, I can't expect somebody else to solve my problems for me. I have to learn how to solve them myself. And so much of preaching has to do with helping you and I understand that we have the capacity to change the situation in our life on a daily basis. And we cannot blame or look to anybody else. But you and I need to understand that we have the ability within us right now to free ourselves from some things that have shackled us and shamed us and hurt us and pained us. Things that life have done and things that circumstances have brought on us. And even things that people have done to us. God wants to assist somebody in breaking free from that and feeling the liberty and the presence that he wants you to enjoy and realize who you are in him. Would somebody say amen to that? And I want to help you understand how to better respond to your life situations. And I will tell you that that is a daily chore 
in this world in which we live. There is something better than anger. There is something better than bitterness. There is something better than separation. And it has to do with how you and I respond to life and what life brings us. The Thirty Years' War, which is a war that took place during the 17th century and was greatly motivated by religious conflict, was fought between the years of 1618 and 1648, primarily in the central part, the heart of Europe. It was mostly known as the Holy Roman Empire at that time, but there had been a reformation. There had been a breaking away from the Catholic Church and the ideologies and there had been the movement uh, uh, to what is known as the Protestant movement or uh, a a movement that believed in, in, in the grace of God and the work of God's grace. And so there had been a revolution in previous years and now there is this conflict that is going on in the central part which was the heart of Europe. It involved Germany and several other countries around it. And it is remembered in history as one of the defining moments for that nation and even for the world. And though it was primarily fought in Europe, it was felt the impact of what happened during that 30-year war was felt all around the known world. And it remains one of the longest and most brutal wars in human history. With more than 8 million casualties, 8 million people died in some areas of the country and some areas of Europe. The population was declined or depleted over 50% during this 30-year conflict. Many military battles, many conflicts, but interesting to note that most of those who died during those 30 years were not the casualties of war, but they were the casualties of the collateral damage that war brings. They died of starvation. They died of disease. They died from plagues. As a matter of fact, During that great conflict, there were only about 250,000 soldiers that were actually involved in the battles. But there were 8 million people that lost their lives. And at the greatest point, they estimate that there was no more than 450,000 people that were wounded or killed in battle. And yet 8 million people died. The military action only accounted for 3% of the deaths that happened. But the other 12% was starvation. And another 73% was plague and disease. And there were a few other contributing issues that brought death and made it a common factor. I read the story of one pastor that pastored a church in Germany 
that in the course of a matter of two years had done hundreds of funerals in his own community of families that were connected to his church because of the plague and the outcropping of of this battle that had taken place. And although the war caused immense destruction, it was also credited with sparking a revival. Isn't it amazing to you, or at least it is to me, that sometimes amid the worst kind of situation, God chooses that backdrop to be a place for revival to break out. And it was so in Europe and many of the things that happened in literature and art were produced during and out of this 30 year conflict. It was out of this time period that great artists and and sculptors arose and poets and writers of renown that are still remembered and taught in our textbook. But one of the most amazing things that it produced was a spiritual revival. A spiritual revival. They were able to turn their pain into productive things. They were able to turn their hurt into helpful things. They turned resentment into revival. They took their hate and turned it into helps. And what is so amazing is that during this 30-year conflict, according to the historians, there were over 50,000 hymns that were written during that time frame that has influenced and touched the church world even to this very day. That many of the praise and worship song that we hear today, they had their roots back in that conflict because somebody decided that though I may have to live through a little hell, I'm not going to ever allow that hell to get into my system and into my life. And they chose a better way of living. Amen. And so they took their suffering and they produced something good out of that suffering. The best thing that uh, that suffering can produce in any of us is a song a song of praise. And out of these years of suffering came the multiple hymns. And uh, many of them, though we don't sing them, their influence is felt in every genre of music. You see, your time of suffering and my time of suffering does not have to be wasted. Your time of going through difficult things and suffering at the hands of others, injustices and wrongs and things that should never have happened to you do not have to be wasted in bitterness and anger and resentment. But there is something that is in your soul and in my soul that can turn that thing around and make it work for my good. There is something God put in you and put in me that enables me to stand in the midst of my storm and open my mouth and sing my praise to Him. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord. Greater 
conflict. Listen to me right now. Greater conflict does not have to be the result of conflict. Greater tension, greater turmoil, greater trouble doesn't have to be the outcome of what is happening in my life right now. More resentment, more hatred, more reprisal. Eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You did it to me, I'm going to do it to you. There is something within all of us that has a tendency to want its pound of flesh. And we love when we get it. For a moment. Not even for a moment. For about a tenth of a second. And then it turns to gall. When you put it in your mouth, it takes sweet for the second. But as soon as it touches your taste bud, you realize that it's nothing but ashes. There's nothing productive. I'm not any better off today than I was before this. As a matter of fact, I'm in a worse place now because of what I have allowed to happen to me and what I have allowed other people to do to me. You see, I've told you this before. I'm going to tell you again this morning. I refuse to put my hands in somebody else's life or my life in somebody else's hand and let them determine how my life is going to be lived. I may not be able to control what happens to me, but I can control what happens within me. And I've made up my mind. It doesn't matter what life does to me. It doesn't matter what you do to me. I have a choice in how I respond. And I have found a better way. I have found a better way. Amen. Let me read you my text now. And the reason I've waited because I didn't want you to tune me out. Maybe I've got your attention now. Acts chapter 16, verse number 16. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us, and cried, saying, These men are the servants of us, are the servants of the Most High God, which shew unto us the way of salvation. And this she did many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And he came out that same hour. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrates saying, These men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city. The first thing that you need to note about this is they tried to make race an issue in the problem. It became a racial issue. And you know what happens when racial issues get involved. (laughs) These men being 
Jews. All they had to say was that. And then all broke out. Hatred. Venom. Vengeance. Grieving. They were so angry. They didn't know even how to handle themselves. And they said, these men being Jews do exceeding trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. Now they try to separate themselves and make one class more important than the other class. And it doesn't have to be a racial issue involved there. We have a tendency on our own to look down our nose at people because we think we're a little more spiritual than they are or we pray a little more than they do and we see them in situations and we say, you know what, if they lived closer to God, they wouldn't be having those troubles like that. So now we've made it a personal thing. It's not just a racial thing, it's a personal thing. Now we're comparing. And so when you get into comparison, it's downhill. It's a slippery slope. And the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And beatings in that day were not just a little. It, it wasn't anything like our court system right now. They slap them on the hand and say, okay, go, don't go do that anymore. Let's be good people. They took a cat of nine tails and they took them out and they tied them to a, strip, a, a post. They stripped them naked and those, those long leather tongs that held little pieces of bone and metal, they would lacerate their back. They would give them 39 stripes, one less than what they considered to be the death blow. And this is what happened to Paul and Silas. They were stripped down naked. They were tied to a post and they laid stripes on them and the multitude rose up against them and the magistrates rent off their clothes, embarrassed them in front of everybody and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in stocks. Somebody tell me why you would need to humiliate anybody any more than you already have. You've taken their clothes. They are naked they have been beaten within an inch of their lives. Their backs are laid open. They're bleeding. 
matter of fact, some historians say that when a person was beaten in that fashion many times, their intestines would actually hang out of the holes that those things had made in their body. Now you tell me why they would have to humiliate them any further and put them in stocks and put them in an inner prison. But that's what happens when hatred starts working in you. That's what happens when hatred starts working in me. We can't hurt somebody enough. We can't put them far enough back. We can't say enough nasty things about them. We can't do enough to inflict harm. We just keep lacerating them. Maybe not with, with, our, with, with, with our cat of nine tails, but we do it with our actions and we do it with our attitude and we do it with the way we treat them beyond that initial point. We just keep pushing them further and further and further down. And so here these two men are and the only thing they're guilty of is preaching the gospel and helping deliver a woman from a demonic spirit. And having received such a charge, they thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in stocks. And at midnight, and at midnight, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and saying praises. Now I'm aware you've heard this and I have preached from it. Brother Landon has preached from it. I don't know any preacher that hasn't preached from it, but I'm going to tell you what the Holy Ghost has been talking to me about this week. When I read that portion of Scripture again this week, he said, this is what I want you to remember. This is what I want you to focus on. I want you to look at what all those people did to Paul and Silas. Look at all the things they did to humiliate them and shame them and embarrass them. But look at what they did to take what had happened to them and turn it around and use it for something that would get them out of their prison. And God said, I want you to go to that service on Sunday morning and I want you to help somebody get out of their prison that somebody has incarcerated them in. There are people in this building right now that are incarcerated in prison that people have put you in. And they've labeled you and they've marked you and they've done what they could to hurt you. But I'm telling you today, God sent a man to tell you it's time to get out of jail. It's time for you to realize that nobody can hold you a prisoner. Quit letting your circumstances hold you prisoner. Stop letting what people say about you and what they do to you keep you locked up in chains and torment you. Come on, clap your hands. Now I know you can be seated for just a minute. I'm, I'm almost through, really. I don't think the Lord's through, but I'm through. Now I realize that most of the times in my life, I suffer because of self-inflicted wounds. I know that. I make bad decisions. I do wrong things. I say the wrong thing. I act in the wrong way. And the truth is, 
I probably deserve a lot more than what I've gotten as far as suffering because I've done some really dumb things in my life. I don't know about you. I've made some really poor decisions. I've, I've created my own trouble. And I've hurt myself because of those things that I chose. Now, I have to admit, I'm like you. It's always a lot easier to blame somebody else for my hurt. But there's times that I have to look in the mirror and say, you know what, buddy, you did this to yourself. You can't shoot yourself in the foot and then wonder why your foot hurts. It's just, you know, you can't. You, 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 you do things, and I get myself into trouble a lot of times, and I admit that. But I will tell you that there's times in life when I am put in situations that I really didn't want to be in, but somebody else put me there because they didn't understand me. They didn't like my action. They didn't like my words. They didn't like what I was doing. And so they work to do something to put me in that place. And Paul and Silas, listen, this is what God spoke to me this week. Paul and Silas were affected by what men had done to them. They were affected by the hands of men who had beaten them and mistreated them and abused them and hurt them. And they had been deeply wounded by those things that people had done against them. But what the Lord really impacted my mind and spirit with, and it started early in the week, is that they had actually imprisoned them. Paul and Silas were imprisoned by the things that people had done to them. And I wonder this morning how many of us are imprisoned in our own little cell somewhere because of something somebody else has done to us. They've already forgotten it. They don't even know what they've done, but I'm sitting alone shivering in my cell, wondering when the day's going to come that I'm going to get out of here. Well, I have news for you. You can get out of there this morning. You don't have to wait for a jailer to come. You, you already have the key. You can, you, you can unlock that door or you can do something that will cause God to unlock that door for you. You don't have to stay wrapped up in that condemnation. You know, it's amazing that we as, we're, as, as human beings, we're social beings and we rely on interaction with other people. And, and my life to a great degree is influenced by how you feel toward me or how you act toward me. And if you don't, if somehow you treat me wrongly, I feel that. You feel that. You, you sense that. And, 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 and it's because we're social beings. We want to be approved and we want to be accepted. But there are times in life when we suffer things that we should not have had to suffer at the hands of other people. Now, the question is, what are we going to do? What am I going to do? Everything in their circumstances, 
was against them. They didn't have anything to do with it. And yet they had the grace to open their mouth and pray and sing praises unto God. You see, the truth is, nobody can imprison you as long as you utilize those two avenues that God has made you available. Nobody, nobody, if you can learn the importance of prayer and you learn the power of praise, there's nothing that anybody does to you that can keep you tied up in your shell. Listen to me. Some of you made up, you, you think, well, I'm not, I'm not in prison, but I watch you when you try to worship and your worship shows me you're still in prison because you can't get your hands up because they're held by shackles. You can't get your feet up because they're held in chains. I'm telling you, God wants to give somebody a job break today. He wants some stuff to fall off so you can get those hands up there because I am not what other people say I am. I am what God says I am and I am his child. Come on, let's praise him. Hallelujah. I'm going I'm to close my troubles can cause me to sing or sigh, weep or worship. You tell me which of those two will be the most productive in your life. There are two weapons that every one of us have at our disposal today. Prayer and praise. Prayer is confession. Praise is profession. And when you pray and sing, this is what you are saying. I refuse to let what has happened to me control my life. I refuse to let what people have done to me control my life. I refuse to let circumstances have the dictation of my life. I refuse to let my pain be what determines my outcome. I have a choice. I have a choice. I can pray. I can praise. Prayer is confession, and this is what confession means. Confession is simply admitting what is wrong with us. I'm in trouble, God. I need deliverance. I need freedom. I don't like being in this prison cell. I don't like being beaten. I don't like the pain that I feel in my body. I'm not blaming these men. I'm not pointing a finger. I'm just talking to you, God. I'm telling you, I don't like where I'm at right now. I'm just wondering, can you do anything to help me get out of this place that I'm in? <laughs> you see... Confession is admitting my failings and my flaws and my sin, my missing the mark. And praise is profession. It is declaring what is right with God. Confession is confessing what is wrong in my life. Praise is professing what is right in my life. And you have to have both of those. 
Because if all you do in your life is go around admitting, man, I'm a failure, I'm a failure, I'm a failure, I'm a failure, I'm a, I'm a no good, I'm a wreck, I'm a, I'm a reject, I'm, I'm, I'm broken, I'm, I'm this, I'm that, I'm an alcoholic, I'm a drug addict, I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I'm, I'm a wounded person, I'm a warped personality, I'm, I'm this, I'm, if that's all you have in your life, your life is gonna be like this. You're gonna be going around all your life wondering why you can't seem to make anything work out. You, you can't balance life when you're like that. That's why God gave you a counterbalance. You can confess your faults to him and know that he is faithful and just to forgive you. And when you know that, then you ought to lift up your hand and your voice and start praising God and thanking him for what's right in my life because I still have a redeemer. I still have somebody that's involved in my life that cares about my life and he wants me to be free and he wants me to know liberty and he's given me the power to get out of that prison. Come on, stand to your feet. You see, prayer is what catalyzes, it's what accelerates, it's what hastens and quickens and hurries the healing process by identifying the problem in my life. But then praise is what helps activate the solution to my problem. That when I can take my sorrows... And I can find a way to turn them into song. I can take my pain and I can turn it into praise. I can take what's happened and not let it hold me. But say, God, surely you meant something good. There must be a great revival coming out of this. There must be something that's going to happen because I'm in this situation that could not have happened because I was not here. It's only happening because I am here. Listen, the Philippian jailer would have never been converted if there hadn't been a beaten Saul and Silas in that prison that He would have gone on the rest of his life being the ugly, mean man that he was. But because somebody had something bad happen in their life and they knew what to do with bad things and they knew how to deal with bad things in their life. God used it as an avenue to minister to a jailer and see his entire family converted. I wonder who's waiting on being converted when you wake up and realize, hey, I'm not staying in this prison any longer. I'm not going to stay incarcerated. Oh, I need Geritol right now, folks. I need some st- I'm telling you the Holy Ghost is in this place right now. There is an enemy at work right now that's trying to take away from you what God has ordained to be in you and that is prayer and praise. Amen. To convince you. That's right. They, they didn't do right. They hurt you. They, 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 shouldn't have, they, they were mean to you. They said bad things about you. Yeah. And if we're not careful, we can nurture that spirit. 
And you know what? This is what I've learned about a wounded spirit that you nurture, it never heals. It never gets better. You poor guy. And they don't know what they have in you. They don't know who you are. They wouldn't talk about you like that. They wouldn't act that way toward you. It's never helped me get better. What has helped me get better is to bring whatever's been laid on my back and just lay it at the altar and say, God, I don't know what to do with this. This is yours. Now I'm going to praise you. <clears throat> this is what's wrong. This is what's right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, some of you have got to get your eyes off of what's wrong. There's a lot of stuff wrong, but there's also some really good stuff going on that are right right now. And you need to get your eyes lifted a little higher so you can see what's right in this place today. And understand that in your mouth right now is the key that will unlock that door and let you out of that prison. Woo! Hallelujah. I wish some of you could dance home today. I wish some of you could shout out of this building today. I'm free. I'm free, Brother Hughes. I'm free. They, they can't hurt me anymore. Oh, yes. Yes, 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 yes.